Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode one, two, three. <laughs> I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing uh, the beginning of Enterprise's second season, Shockwave Part 2, Carbon Creek and Minefield. Here we go. Shockwave Part 2, Season 2, Episode 1, Production Number 128, Original Air Date, September 18th, 2002, Directed by Alan Croker, Written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy, Guest Cast Include John Fleck as Silic, Matt Winston as Temporal Agent Daniels, Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, Gary Graham as Ambassador Saval, Keith Allen as Solibon Commander Ron, Jim Fitzpatrick as Commander Williams, and Michael Kosick as Solibon Soldier. <laughs> Silic and his Suliban soldiers board Enterprise to search the ship for Captain Archer, who DePaul insists disappeared when he left the bridge. Meanwhile, Archer is stuck in the 31st century with Daniels, trying to determine why his removal from the 22nd century led to the devastation they are witnessing. Daniels is stunned to discover that a monument commemorating an organization called the Federation was never built. The two find a library and begin searching for answers there. The people of Suliban were working for came from about 300 years ago. They couldn't travel through time, but they did develop a way to send back images of themselves, to communicate through time. You can't do that with those. No, it's a little bit more complicated, but not much. We learned how to do it in high school. Shockwave Part 2, in which Archer finally realizes a lifelong dream dream of... Knocking someone on their ass. <laughs> Poor Silic. Um, Adam, why don't you kick us off on Shockwave Part 2? Shockwave. Um, I found it to be entertaining. It's got all those fun highs and lows in it. There's some cool, very cool effects with the Enterprise being attacked towards the, in the second half of the episode. Um, you know, we get a little bit of mystery with this, you know, temporal Cold War um, there's some kind of hoorah moments with DePaul sticking up for, um, you know, Archer and the Enterprise, um, to her superiors. And then we have that feel good moment at the end. Um, overall, like I said, I found it to be a very entertaining episode. I don't really know if it, what, if it has a lot, to, what, it, if it has a lot to say as far as like what it's about, but, um, it's just one of those just kind of action, actiony episodes. You know, I don't think it's quite as good as the first one, uh, but I guess if we really think about it, how many times is is the if when there's a cliffhanger and then you know the season opener, how many times is the season season opener as good, to, or even right. less likely better? Even but, the really really great stuff like Best of Both Worlds. I don't know that anybody yeah. likes Part Two quite as much as they like Part One. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's just more. Maybe it's easier to throw all these balls up into the air and less interesting to, you know, catch everything. Um, that was a tortured analogy, but I, I <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, so I, yeah, I, th- I think this is entertaining, but um, uh, maybe not. Maybe not as entertaining to, for me as Shockwave Part One. Steve, what are what are your first reactions? Yeah, I would. I think I would agree with everything that was said so far. Um, it is entertaining. Um, it's so hard to live up to a first part, like like we said. But I, I do think some of the um, 
the moments with Daniel, Archer and Daniels, it gets so talky in the middle of oh, yeah. it. It just yeah. goes on and on and on and on. And on. That, I think that kind of drags it. It felt slow during those times. And it's kind of a cop-out sometimes. Like those first sections, yeah, it's sci-fi, it's, it's neat to see this future apocalypse thing. I mean, it looks cool, but if you listen to what Daniels is saying, it's like Archer asks a fair question, the same question the audience is thinking. Uh, well then, why are we here? I don't understand what's and and, yeah. and he's yeah. like, I don't know, but we are, so let's deal with it. Well, okay, and then we never get yeah. an answer for that. Mm-hmm. We don't know what uh, caused that apocalypse. We don't know how they ended up just the two of them there. Mm-hmm. Um, lucky or thing, we, that, or who even brought them there? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I like the idea that um, you know that that he's saying Archer is such a big part of the federation that his not being there puts it in jeopardy that that's that's interesting it adds something for his to his character and stuff i just i just i just agree with you steve that those scenes are so long and so talky uh that i can't help but start to think about what he's really saying and it doesn't it's not uh very satisfying you know the mystery um, is not it's not the questions are not answered in a satisfying way which i guess is getting back to my whole Part two is harder to write, maybe than part one. It's harder for part two to be as satisfying as part one. Um, I kind of found it flimsy how they got him back to the twenty second century too. It's kind of like, oh, let's just use your communicator and some copper wire, and we'll get you back. Um, but I mean, you know, they had to get the yeah. they had to move the story along somehow. They had to get him well, back. You somehow. know, at, at least they made it so that all he was really able to do was to communicate with them. Um, with a funny talking head, and uh, <laughs> it was actually this little device, this magical device. Boy, it's sure it's convenient how many magical little devices Daniel's <laughs> left behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if, if note, if you ever go out, you know, on a multi-year mission, have a guy from the future leave some stuff in quarters because you don't know when you're going to need it. Um, in fact, maybe the next time I go on a long car trip, I'll. Um, so it's not actually the, his little jerry-rigged thing in the future that gets him back. I, I assume it's the little device uh, that Archer destroys as he's leaving with Silic. But, um, you know, that, that's fine. Um, the, the, it's it's pretty plot-heavy, but they had a lot to answer for in this episode. Um, it does have some stuff I like. I, I love that moment at the near the end. Uh, with T'Pau, T'Pau, um, you know, our answer, when she, when she dresses down the um, Soval, you know, our ancestors learn from our mistakes, learn from their mistakes. We should learn from our mistakes, for example, Pajem. Um, the human's mission should be allowed to continue. That that whole bit, that's, and that's pretty shocking, the way that she goes off on them. Um, and so I do like, I do like that bit. I like how, how far we see that her character has come. Um, but you know it takes quite a while to get there in this in, during this episode it, there's just so much um, exposition I guess and plot plot heavy stuff plot 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 like maybe I, I just I wish there was a little more character stuff like there is at the tail um, I don't know what do you guys you guys agree with that sentiment is that unfair? No. It's reasonable. That's kind, of, mm-hmm. kind of what we've all kind of agreed upon. Yeah. 
You know, it's funny. I I I keep saying that um, Phlox is my favorite character, and I think that's probably true. That's probably still true, but he, they don't give him a lot to do. You know, mm. we don't get a lot of much of Dear Doctor, but to Paul is such an interesting character, and they give they make her so unique for a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. You know that in many ways. She gets the best stuff in the show, and she's she always surprises me what a great job she does with it. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe she's winning me over as as <laughs> as a new favorite, <laughs> as my new favorite on the show. Just just you know, purely by virtue of the stuff the writers give her and her ability to deliver. Um, yeah, I agree with you. She's been good. She's mm-hmm. she's very good. She's very good. Um, it's funny, you know. I, I um, God, I, I remember Shockwave Part One so well, and Part Two. I've seen it just as many times, and I can't ever remember it. There's something about it. I don't know. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Did you have that problem? Did you remember how they solved everything and how it all worked out? It kind of, I, it, I kind of saw it coming. I wouldn't be able to tell you before when I first started the episode, but as it went, it's like, oh yeah, then this happens more or less. Yeah, I kind of, kind of ring a bell. But again, you know, it, but I remembered how Shockwave Part One ended. Yeah, I that yeah. big open, you know, uh, shot that big super wide city decimated city shot with them in that um, building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some pretty memorable scenes, and I mean, uh, the scenes where. Um, to Paul's being interrogated. Those are kind of <laughs> uncomfortable to watch, but I mean, she played it off pretty well going back yeah. to her. And I like the way that plays through the, uh, the scene when Archer's, uh, talking head, talking mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he's the great and powerful Oz. Yeah. <laughs> I think this episode is the reason that I, that, that, that the Vulcan science, what is it? The Vulcan science, uh, Academy has determined that uh, time travel is not possible. That that at least a variation of that line just kind of stuck in my head, probably because of this episode because she says it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's this episode about? That's where I kind of ran into trouble. Like what you know, what what you would define exactly what this episode's about. You can use some stuff from. I mean, I was thinking you could use some stuff from the end of the episode. You know, um, sticking up for your comrades, you know, sticking together as a crew, as a group. Did you guys feel like this episode was missing something at the end there? Like, should Daniels have popped his head in to say, everybody's okay, we're good, thanks, bye. You know? Did you feel (laughs) like it needed that? Mm, Maybe. Yeah, I didn't think about it. No, then that means it doesn't need it. Steve, what do you got for what it's about? I mean, there's a lot of um, kind of Using what you have at your disposal to achieve an right. Objective. There was that scene where Hoshi was topless in Oxon Reed's door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where I was going. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> working using what, <laughs> what little you have to accomplish a mission. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, by the parameters of our show, it doesn't doesn't have a lot to say. Maybe it doesn't hold up quite as well, but it's still entertaining. Um, it moves this little arch that they have 
forward too. So I mean, it's kind of important in this temporal Cold War mm. plot line that they got going on. I wonder how, what this feels like if you watch it back to back with with Shockwave Part One. Because I'm not sure that I've ever done that. I saw them. This is only the third time I've watched the show. And the first time was when it first aired. I had to wait months. The second time was when the DVDs first came out. I had to wait months for the second season to come out on DVD. Not as long as that, but um, and then here we had all we have all the Blu-rays. But because of our show, you know, we waited two weeks. So I, I wonder if it would if it would play better if it was back to back or if it would come to a screeching halt. I'm not sure. All right. Well, um, you guys, ready to move on? Let's do it. Six Degrees for Shockwave Part 2. Um, Adam, you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Jim Fitzpatrick makes his second appearance as Commander Williams, the Starfleet officer that helps Admiral Forrest defend Archer and crew. His first appearance was in another episode that featured Soval and Forrest. Name the episode from the first season. Remember um, that guy? Broken Bow. You are correct. Okay. <laughs> Steve, Scott mm-hmm. Bakula makes his first appearance as Floating Archer Head in Pow's Quarters. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was desperate, guys. After previously singing, This is Halloween, this is Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> On what Disney ride? No, that's not true. I made that up. That's not really where it came from. <laughs> so I don't really have a... Oh, you just want me to say Haunted <laughs> yeah. Mansion? Yeah. Oh, okay. But, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to watch like for that head next time we're there. I didn't know. That's what it looks like, there. though, doesn't he? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like it's half off the head or something, you know, and held by the hand, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. Carbon Creek, season two, episode two, production number two hundred one. Original air date September twenty fifth, two thousand two. Directed by James A. Contner. Story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Dan O'Shannon. Teleplay by Chris Black. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include J. Paul Bomer as Mistral, Ann Cusack as Maggie, Hank Harris as Jack, Michael Crawick as Strawn, David Selberg as Vulcan Captain, Clay Wilcox as Billy, Ron McRasco as Vulcan Captain Tellus, and Paul Hayes as businessmen. Celebrating to Paul's first full year with the Enterprise crew over dinner, Archer asks why her record states that she once took a five-day leave to visit an old Pennsylvania mining town called Carbon Creek. She claims Carbon Creek was the site of actual first contact between humans and Vulcans long before the historical first contact in 2063. And her second foremother or great-grandmother was there. Tucker scoffs at this, but then DePaul offers to tell the story. Perhaps if you spent more time observing human behavior, you might not have such a pessimistic view of them. Open your eyes. They revel in violence. They devote what little technology they have to devising ways of killing each other. So did we centuries ago. Carbon Creek. I always like this episode. Um, I, I think it's... Uh... It's not some, you know, incredible, amazing episode, but I like the feel of it. I love the look of it. I like how it's a little different from normal Trek fare, um, which is, you know, nice every now and then. I think it, it does a pretty good job of 
of giving us this like kind of kind of this fifties aesthetic without without going too far, um, and it it gives it almost kind of an original series episode kind of feel for a while. Um, but the whole, uh, you know, the way they tell the story, the way she tells the story, so cutting back to her on on the ship, you know, it's similar to that episode of Voyager that I can't remember the name of, uh, um, like Midnight or something? That's not what it was called. But the one where it's like New Year's Eve and, and, and Janeway's telling about her, her relative and then she plays the same. Yeah. But I, I remember that yeah. one, it's it's not, I think this is is, it's more effective here in Carbon Creek telling it this way because we have this whole setup of is it true is it not true we also have the um unlikelihood that that to paul would even would ever tell any kind of a story or embellish on anything so it's it makes the whole thing kind of interesting and unique and feel interesting and unique mm-hmm. um and those are my first thoughts on it. Oh, one thing I wanted to tell, say for you guys, because I know both of you are such big baseball lovers. I think I got this off Alpha. I don't remember where. I think it was on Alpha. But <laughs> I love Star Trek fans. Somebody pointed this out uh, while, while I'm just reading what I copied here from the internet, but it sounds right to me. While walking into town, Mr. All and Tamir observed men listening to a baseball game on a radio. Given that Sputnik 1 was launched October 4th and the Vulcans had observed the craft for, th- craft for three weeks, then had lived on rations for one week, the earliest that date could have been would be November 4th, 1957, but MLB's season that year ended on October 10th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They should have been listening to football. <laughs> Indeed. Probably would have been a lot colder there, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, what are your first thoughts, guys? Either, either one of you. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. It's it's a lot of fun, and it's it's all you know. It's it's got a lot going on because you have the uh, the kind of bonding of the three main characters by her telling the story, and then in the story you've got uh, you know like all the aesthetics, and it's like you said, it's fun to do something different, and uh, there's a lot of comedy and a lot of uh, you know. Uh, touching stuff too, and this whole idea of them, you know, fish out of water kind of thing, and adapting to this culture. And see, you know, it's it's just it's entertaining, it's fun. It's it's I, I've always liked this episode a lot. Um, I'd agree. I really enjoyed it as well. Um, you know, you know, every series has these episodes um, where they either go back in time to you know current you know civilization. Um, this is a kind of a more realistic way to do it, it's just by storytelling. Um, it's enjoyable. I like the different kind of take on Vulcans. Um, with the, was it Sabal? The one who was kind of the rebel? Is that um, Mistral, I think. Mistral. Sabal is Graham Greene's uh, character. Not Graham Greene. Graham, um, what's his name's character? But yeah, he's an interesting character. I mean, he's not, he's very, he's very Vulcan, but he's not. He seems, um, you know, very curious, very curious and wants to learn about, human beings and adapts very well. It's kind of an interesting take on the Vulcans from what we've seen just in um, the Enterprise series. It's kind of a nice um, change of pace. I like how T'Pal's great-grandmother, what is it, Tamir? Mm -hmm. How she is, you know, 
very similar to T'Pol, and if you probably go the other direction, right? They take after one another. She was very uh, disciplined, and I'm, you know, I'm Vulcan. Uh, but whether she liked it or not, she was um, open to empathy mm-hmm. with these humans, and did see something interesting about them. And uh, if it had been, you know, um, in uh, Archer's time, I think she would have also broken the record of staying on Enterprise for longer than 10 days, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess if I, if I had to be picky, the one thing that made it good and, and kept it from being maybe great was, uh, I don't know, it seems like they're kind of force reaching to make the mine accident kind of the, mm. kind of some kind of a dramatic... <laughs> high point but it doesn't I mean that's not really like it, what it's really trying to be about and believe me I love it when I, when an episode is good enough that I can you, we can have this much of a debate about it but or at least I can with myself <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it's like this episode is about these characters and and are they going to be empathetic with the humans and and you know he's he's changes so much uh, the one Mistral that uh, Mistral that, that he decides to stay Mistral, I keep saying Mistral. Uh, he decides to Mistral that he decides to stay. Um, so it's it's more like character and stuff. And I think that maybe if they're if they built up to some kind of a more dramatic moment, if him deciding to stay was the was the dramatic moment, was, mm-hmm. the, was the the climax yeah. instead of this mine accident. Um, I mean, I know that's harder to do, and it's easier for the physical action and and visual of the mine accident to be more of that climax, but. It, I mean, there's some of that there. You know, she obviously gives in and helps him rescue the miners and stuff. But it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like the what you know what they were building toward. But that's a you know that's a minor kind of comment. Um, I I do like this. Uh, I do like this episode a lot. I and I and I really enjoy kind of the way it looks. You know, not just the obvious stuff of the outside, but. Even you know in their their little apartment there, it, it reminds me of that apartment they have in City in the Edge Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, inside the bar, it's simple, but it's like uh, that scene whenever she's cleaning up, uh, and she it's near, and then she decides to meditate over that candle before she puts it out. That's a, that's a lovely little scene, and I like the way it, you know it, it looks and and her performance is very good. And giving you know that character of Jack, that's. You know the the young boy that that she kind of befriends. They all, I guess, befriend, but then she ends up saying, "Help him out." That character, I don't know, maybe isn't the most obvious addition, but it's it's he it's right for this, you know. And, and I I don't see how she transforms uh, without him. So it's it's good, you know. I like that. I do. I like this episode. I've always kind of remembered it. I actually I don't know if this is right, but I remember them kind of building this one up before they aired it. You know, yeah, that maybe, seems maybe, right, yeah. Yeah, maybe I read an article about it in, in um, Communicator or something, uh, you know, and, and I remember seeing the trailer for it, um, and they really played up that it was going to be different, you know, that it was one of those special different episodes, you know, um, and it did not disappoint from that point of view. Um Fun trivia, of course, he references I Love Lucy, which is a funny little sequence, but uh, there's a lot of uh, relationships between I Love Lucy and 
Star Trek, and if fans don't know what those are, um, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the story goes why um, Lucille Ball was very helpful in keeping the original series on air. Is that what it was? Well, she 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 was running Desilu at the time, and she greenlit two shows, Star Trek and Mission Impossible, against the advice of her board or whatever, and she kept Star Trek on the air even after people were telling her that they should can it. And they shot it in the same spot. And you know, I mean the same same types of same area, same stages and things. So. But there's there's a lot of other little connections. It's kinda of cool. Um let's do a this one a uh, favorite scene on this one. Steve, what's your favorite scene in this episode? Favorite scene. Anything stick out to you? Let me think. Um, gosh, it's one of these that's hard for me to. Maybe, maybe the what you already mentioned of um, to Paul with the candle in the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say that's the most kind of maybe the most touching scene. There's a couple other really good um, the moments when they're when they're on Enterprise and you know Tucker and. Archer kind of giving DePaul a hard time. Those are those are fun. Those are fun. Um, I mean, at the beginning and the end, of course, uh, those are. I mean, she's she might be the funniest one on the ship. I mean, I think we've mentioned this before, where she's mm-hmm. kind of just like, was it real or was it not real? So those were fun. Um, the Mo scene was kind of amusing. <laughs> in the <apartment. laughs> how much longer are people going to get that joke? I don't know. <laughs> Does a young person today get that joke? I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, you know what? I, it's a little thing, but I liked uh, whenever she goes to sell her Velcro invention. That was fun, mm-hmm. by the way. But I, I like how um, they take the time to like show her on yeah. the train and you know traveling. Like this is an endeavor. You know, she's going out here to do this, mm-hmm. and obviously she researched it in some way because the guy said you're the one. Like she had contacted him ahead yeah. of time. Um, I, I I like that. There's there's a lot in those. Precious seconds. Um, yeah, it's a nice little nice. montage. Yeah. What do you guys got for what this is about? What is this episode really about? Um, you could. Um, I kind of went with it's keeping an open mind, learning from people that you may not understand or even want to understand, but um. I kind of got that from this episode, you know, keeping it open, you know, and learning to grow. And I think um, the characters <clears throat> that were in this town, they all grew in their own way, some more than others. I think to Paul's grandmother and the one who stayed, the Mo character was just, just wanted to get the hell out of there. <laughs> you know, we've talked before about like, if an episode is not about one of our primary characters, uh, then that's usually a problem. Um Technically, this episode is not about one of our primary characters, but we don't think that, at least I don't think that at all, because the whole time, you know, I'm reading into uh, Tamir, Tapal's great-grandmother, as this is Tapal. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though it really isn't, but that's how I'm, that's how I'm watching the episode, that's how I'm reading it. It's, uh, it's almost as if, you know, she was really, really influenced by her great-grandmother somehow or something, I don't know. But if you don't read it that way... Which is what I'm, I'm saying. I am doing that instinctively. But if you didn't, if you tried to really think about it, then this episode is not about one of our primary characters. In which case, it wouldn't be. Well, do so you think effective. the scene? So well, why, do you think I, this, why does that do think, work so well? 
Well, do you think the scene at the end where she pulls out the handbag really makes that connection? Ah, okay. So, so, it, so it's showing that she did have, and obviously she knows bits of this story that would not be in the official Vulcan right. registry, mm-hmm. like the fact that what's his name stayed behind, that Mr. All stayed behind. Right. Nobody would know that except her. You know, she gave up an invention. No doubt she would have told that to the ministry. So, so do you think? So is this saying like she was, she was raised in this, this like this was something that was almost passed down. She was raised in this home of where they were almost like encouraging open minds in a way. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. You know. So a different kind of, um, you know, something that prepared her uniquely for you know this ship she ended up on with humans. You know, and um, to Paul in this. In this time era is a very open-minded Vulcan compared to the yeah. others we've seen. Steve, what do you got for what it's about? Yeah, I agree that it's, uh, you know, I think it's in addition to kind of uh, stepping out of your comfort zone in order to, uh, you know, experience new things and have a fulfilled life. And maybe also going so far as to say, uh, you know, may, being part of others' lives and helping others and the fulfillment that comes from that. You know, I think that's, they were very, they're certainly willing to just be totally, a t- typical Vulcan you, uh, you'd gather would just be totally hands off and not interfere in any way. But, you know, if you make yourself part of others' lives and actually help and do things for people, you know, the, the benefits that come from that. So a good episode. An episode yeah. that in a, in a way... In a way, this episode really started to define the show for me. Mm-hmm. Um, how they were able to do something that felt like Star Trek, even the original series, yet felt just different enough and new. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. All right, let's move on to Six Degrees for Carbon Creek. Um, who went first last time, Adam? I did. Steve. Mm-hmm. J. Paul Bomer plays Mistral, the Vulcan that kind of has a thing for humans. We'll next see him in Enterprise as a Nazi officer in a season cliffhanger slash season premiere. Which seasons? Hmm... Trying to recall that. Mm, three and four? You are correct. Three and four. For no bonus points, do you remember the names of the episodes? No. I would not have remembered. No. Uh, Zero Hour and Stormfront. Mm. Stormfront sounds familiar to me, but yeah. All right. Adam? Yes. Michael Craw- Crawick plays Strawn, the Vulcan that is better with warp fields than broken sinks. In the McKee Part 1 in DS9's second season, Krawick played William Samuels, a McKee supporter that is captured and tortured by the Cardassians. How do the Cardassians claim that Samuels died in prison? Uh, suicide? That's correct. Suicide. Boy, I mean, my questions must be easy today. You guys are getting them all, huh? <laughs> <laughs> two to two. Moving on. Minefield, Season 2, Episode 3, Production Number 203, Original Air Date, October 2nd, 2002, Directed by James A. Contner, Written by John Schaben, Music Composed by David Bell, Guest Cast Include Tim Glenn as MedTech, and Elizabeth Magnus as Injured Crewman. (laughs) 
Archer invites Reed to breakfast, hoping to become better acquainted with his armory officer. Reed, however, seems reluctant to, to discuss anything other than work. Just as Archer is getting frustrated, DePaul alerts the captain that an uncharted system has been detected and one of the planets is Mashara class. As Enterprise enters the orbit, it is rocked by a massive explosion, damaging sections of the ship and injuring several crew members, including Hoshi. Just give me something for the pain, and I'll do my best to reach the access panel. Not without doing more damage to that leg. What's more important? My leg or your ship? I intend to save both. Minefield. Steve, kick us off on Minefield. I found this to be a very uh, edge-of-your-seat kind of episode. It's very um, intense, and I don't know how deep it is, really. It's fun to see the um, learn learn more about Reed and some the captain bonding with him a bit and that kind of thing, and also to see how how much this captain you know sacrifices takes risks for his crew and that kind of thing. Uh, that's we've seen that consistently, and uh, but yeah, overall, I think it's just very um, you know suspenseful kind of action thriller thing. So I, I, think, I think it's fun. I enjoy it. I think it's easy to take this episode for granted, you know? It mm-hmm. doesn't sound like we're doing that, but I'm just saying I, I think that it's it's easy to do that in this kind of episode. You know, when you think about all the different moving parts and something like this, that they all come together, and, and you can even tell what the heck's going on, is it's an achievement. Mm-hmm. Certainly one of the more effects-heavy episodes. Um all that stuff out on the whole, you know, most of the shots, at least half of them, you know, they did background replacements and things. Um, Adam, your first thoughts? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I agree with Steve. I, I, I enjoy this episode. It's um, very suspenseful. Um, it's kind of got that kind of same feel from the shuttlecraft episode from season one. Not quite, you know, it's the captain and Breed out there potentially going to die. It's kind of got that similar edge of your seat. I was wondering about this, you know, Archer's seems to, if we have any more scenes like this where he has dinner or bread, not that it ends up being as dramatic as this episode. If he, he has any more breakfasts or dinners with just one particular crew member, I couldn't recall when I was thinking about the series. Cause I know they mentioned it. Well, sorry. They mentioned I, it I, somewhere else. Yeah. They mentioned it in the next episode. I actually just watched the whole disc um, where he was supposed to have, um, um, you watch the next one? And yeah, you're like, what What are you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I couldn't remember. I was wondering if you guys remembered if there's like these scenes like this. Because I don't, I, I I thought it would be kind of cool if they did this was an ongoing thing because I don't recall this, any of the other captains. You know, well, they had would be favorites. kind of fun to throw those in now and then, but I don't recall. Because, you know, they, all the other captains had their favorites, obviously, Cisco and Dax. Um, um, Picard and Crusher, um, Kirk just hung out with Spock and McCoy. Um, so it just, it seems like I, I kind of like the idea of this. So I didn't know if they kept doing it or not. Well, I assume Kirk sometimes had breakfast with his. <laughs> right. <laughs> his yeomans and such, yeah. yeah. At least, at least just breakfast, but you know. Um. <laughs> it showed it though. <laughs> yeah, it. Of course, this episode has plenty of fun uh, Star Trek fan stuff, fan service, all the Romulan Star Empire stuff. I like I like Hoshi's mispronunciation. That's fun. <laughs> um, but like the 
kind of dead serious look that T'Pol has when she corrects her pronunciation. Um, I enjoyed the effects out on the ship. I mean, you know, the, I thought it was cool when yeah. the Romulan ships decloaked while they're out there on the hull. Mm -hmm. Those were pretty cool to see, even in 720. <laughs> trying to come catch cut me at the pass. Well, you know. Um, you know, there's a lot of character stuff. I think that's what, what makes me enjoy this episode, all that character stuff between Archer and Reed, even in the midst of an action-y tense episode. Maybe there's just a little bit too much of it. Like, it, it's... Like, maybe there's one paragraph too many of, uh, you know, intense, disarming sequences while we're talking about yeah. sweet nothings, but... Um, you know, I'd rather have one too many than one too little of that. Um, but, uh, you know, I like that stuff. We've talked about, we don't get, we don't find out a lot about Reed. We, we, we get just enough that, uh, you know, he's certainly consistent and we have an idea about him. Uh, this is certainly consistent with, uh, what we got from when, whenever they were trying to find out his birthday, favorite food for his birthday or whatever. Um, I think it's consistent with, the section 31 kind of stuff we're going to find out later. But, you know, there's a nice, um, a very clear difference between his character and Archer's character when it comes to things like command. And I like these ideas about Reed not fam following the family. Did you guys like the reasoning? I didn't think they needed to go there with being afraid of water. I don't know. I just kind of thought that was kind of weird. That's why I he didn't like join he, the Navy because he was afraid like of water. I felt like it needed. He needed a line. Um, yeah. I felt like that. Like he needed a line where he was like, you know, and I asked my uncle how he got over his fear of the water, and he said he never did. He was scared every day, or something like that. That would make that would make it. Because mm. as is, it does seem like it's a, like it's putting Reed down a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, I had the same feeling from the last episode. Why? Why did they need to make Hoshi claustrophobic? I mean, it just seems silly. But anyway, go ahead. Um, but I, you know, so maybe I would have liked for all that to go somewhere a little bit uh, more interesting. But it's fine, you know. And I, and I, I like I said, I, I like. I'd rather have that stuff in an episode than not. Mm. Um. Yeah, you know, a little bit like Shuttlepod One, where it was all character stuff, but there, but there were times when I wanted them to have more of a direction with the conversation, uh, and so maybe they didn't, maybe they lacked that a little bit. But you know, um, the, you know, I, I think we'd all agree Carbon Creek was the best episode of the three we're discussing today. But I would probably put Minefield above Shockwave Part Two. I'd, I'd call them both fine episodes. Um, Carbon Creek. Well, we had really, a solid really three. Hmm? Yeah, we had a solid three this time around. Yeah, but that tends to happen. You know, well, that, that often happens. You know, in these mm -hmm. shows that where they produce so many per season, in the beginning they got a little more time to spend in the writing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's one of those things. We just—it's always the writing. If there's ever an episode that we don't care for, it's always, always, always the writing. The acting is good. The mm -hmm. the production design is good. The, everything else, the music is good. The effects are good. You know, it's it's always if anything misses, it's the writing. 
you know mm-hmm. um it's it's so rare for a performance to be bad that that we pointed out in those rare times that it happens you know it's usually a guest star or something um but i think the writing today was was fine fine, fine really good fine you know mm-hmm. um I think the opening section of this episode, the, the, explo- the explosion happens during the teaser, doesn't it? Yeah, it's during the teaser. Mm-hmm. That, that's really cool, really exciting. I love, I really like the kind of the chaos. I, I always like it when they do that well. You know, Next Gen had a couple episodes where they did that well, where the whole ship is briefly in chaos. you got the mm-hmm. cutting between the bridge and engineering and, and sickbay. And I like that. I like seeing them, the way they recover, the way they've got, you know, the stuff that Archer directs his attention to. Yeah, Hoshi's down there on the floor, but that's somebody else is going to have to take care of that. You know, he's he's got more important things he has to worry about. His job. He has to do his job, which is keeping the ship under control and, and, and coordinating um, these dis- different responses, you know, just as one example. And so I, I always I always like that. And it, it was done. It was done very well. It, on, do you guys watch that deleted scene? I remember that deleted scene from the from the DVDs, I think. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that deleted scene where Flox is giving Hoshi language lessons in sickbay, mm-hmm. and it you know it's clear that it would have been kind of early in the episode. It's like, man, where where did they ever think this was going to work in the episode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you imagine how much it would have just stopped all that all that chaos, mm-hmm. all that activity and energy it would have just screeching halt? <laughs> you know. What do you guys got for what this is about? Do not have breakfast with the captain. <laughs> right. Or even plan on it. Well, I think it's 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 uh, I mean it's taking taking ri- you know taking risks and it's not just about numbers, you know? I mean it's kind of the read obviously is always about is oh I'm willing to sacrifice myself for the ship, let's not take a chance. And Archer's very much, I'll risk everybody for one kind of thing, you know. And it's it, different. If it had, if this had been a Vulcan ship in the exact same scenario, the guy on the hull would have been screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely that thing: never leave a man behind. That's kind of you know how Archer feels. Um, you know, you don't um, you don't abandon anybody. Anything else there, Adam? I'm trying to think how to phrase it. I mean, there's a lot in there's a lot in there between um, obviously uh, between Archer and um, Reed. You know, they they talk a lot about. Well, you know, Reed is pretty upset with Archer that his command style and that he's lax and that kind of thing, and it's. I don't know. They both come to trust each other a little bit more, even though, you know, the, the, the first of the episode was about them kind of getting to know each other in a more casual, relaxed way. And that, you know, that beginning just kind of sets it up. It's all got to be, you know, Reed's always just, just about work. We've kind of learned that about him in the first season that he doesn't really have much of a life. He's just all about armory. And, um, that's kind of how we get to know him, um, so far. I've gotten to know him so far. Yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, the getting closer together through um, extreme circumstance thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. We've had that twice with Reed now. 
It's apparently the only way you can get to know him. Yeah. Hmm. That and maybe tied up in a basement. <laughs> mm, indeed. <laughs> All right. Let's do uh, six degrees for minefield. Let's see. And uh, Steve, you get to choose. Going first or second? I'll go first. Enterprise makes. Uh, obviously, this episode was incredibly difficult for me to do our traditional six degrees, where I inquire about an actor who has portrayed multiple roles on Star Trek. Since this episode had no guest stars, um, so it's just a regular kind of trivia. Uh, Enterprise makes first contact with Romulans in this episode, but only over audio. Name the episode of the original series where we first see them visually. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure I get the title right. Is it uh, Balance of Terror? You are correct. Balance of Terror. Adam? Yes. Between this episode and episodes of DS9, we can say that in the future, people will still be playing blank and not playing blank. Talking about big sports. We'll still be playing baseball? No. Steve? Steve? We'll still be playing blank and not playing blank? Yes. In the future, though, they will be playing what sport and they will not be playing what sport? Between oh. this episode and DS9. Oh. Well, you mentioned the World Cup, so I guess they're playing soccer or football, um, you know, in, in you know European football. Um and not well in DS9 they said they they don't have organized professional baseball so okay, not well that's baseball. what I was getting at right okay no, yeah baseball. right mm-hmm. do you think that was unfair Adam because you said they were playing baseball they were playing they did have organized baseball in DS9 remember yeah. um, um what's her name's brother was playing in a league yeah His but they wife. do say that the sport is yeah all right all right I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I'll throw out the question <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> It's all it's still, it's it was a, it was a, like you said, it was a tough episode. Yeah, yeah, it was actually. Um, there were no, there were no floating heads to ask about. <laughs> um, all right. I want to point one thing out. I have been asking about those. Remember, I talked about those, those uh, Enterprise TV spots where they use that, that pop track by was it the calling now i can't remember i talked about it before if you listen to our, the, our first episode discussing enterprise but i couldn't find any of them uh says duck on twitter he that's uh, at s-e-z-d-u-c-k he found one of the tv spots somebody had put them on youtube i swear i spent like a day looking for the dang things but he found one and uh he sent it to me if you look at our twitter feed you know look uh, at trek companion just do dimensions for that and you'll see it from like a August 28th. If you haven't seen it, it's really cool. That that was that is like this really feeling for what I think they were going for. In fact, it, I think the previous day he sent me somebody took that same pop song and put it over the opening credits to Enterprise, and I certainly think it works better than the song that is currently there. But I will not go off on that song as I have promised to not do that, or at least I will not do it while we're still recording. So. Outtakes, baby, outtakes. Outtakes. <laughs> My God, it's September 2015. We've been doing this podcast for almost five years. Mm, wow. We're going to hit five years in December. October, in three months, we've been doing this for five years. Can you guys believe it? Jeez. Yeah. I, I just made my uh, hotel reservations for 
Creation's 50th anniversary Star Trek convention in August of 2016. <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> All right, folks. So looking forward to uh, the next three episodes of Enterprise. I, I am I am still, you know, excited to watch it since it, it's the show that I watched the least and I know the least well, and it's fun to watch it on Blu-ray because I've never actually seen it in high definition outside of an episode or two, you know. Uh, so I'm still enjoying that. Um, and I didn't make any 720p complaints today. That was all Adam. I didn't make a 720 <laughs> complaint. <laughs> That's true. All right. So thank you for spending an hour with us and uh, look forward to spending another hour with you. You can follow us on Twitter at Trek Companion. Send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Um, Facebook.com slash Trek Companion is the Facebook page. Till next time, take it easy. Good night. See you. I passed it.